0: If you're good at something never do it for free you're my older brother and i love you
1: but don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again (laughs) welcome back we are the pod fellas our show provides film and tv reviews from two guys that make watch and love movies i'm iron and joining me each week is of course will
0: what's going on everybody
1: so for today i'm really excited for this episode christopher nolan is my favorite maker so we are exploring all things Nolan today first off in celebration for the 10th anniversary of inception we will be taking a look back at the movie and reviewing the film and we're also going to be going through our top five Christopher Nolan movies of all time this is a really hard list because all of his all of his movies are masterpieces right
0: how long did it take you man <laughs>
1: <laughs> it actually didn't take me as long as I thought I mean his movies are all really really good uh mm-hmm. so you would think it would be hard to come up with a list for those reasons but they're all so different and they all resonate with me in different ways so i think that made it a lot easier it also helps that like three of them are batman movies and it's like i just tried to put just one on the list so
0: Ooh, yeah that, that was tough that was tough that was definitely tough yeah
1: but first things first let's get started as always with our rundown on the latest in entertainment news So we're not going to talk about too much in this segment, but I do want to talk about something that got me really excited slash interested. And I think it might have a huge impact on the way we watch big blockbuster movies in the future. And that's this Mulan, which had a huge budget and it was expected to release all around the world and probably make a billion dollars because that's how much all of the other Disney live action movies have been making. This movie is coming straight to On Demand. And when I found out, it made sense. But I was like, whoa, because, like, everything that's been coming to On Demand has been smaller movies, right? This is a blockbuster coming to Disney+. Plus. What are your thoughts about it?
0: Honestly, I'm still not very surprised with the decisions that they have to make, Mm. because I mean, at least in the U.S., because it's cool that Disney Plus subscribers, though, they will have an indefinite access rather than a one-time rental. They own the movie. They own a brand new
1: movie, right? Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm.
0: As long as they have the subscription, though. That's the only... Yeah. But, you know, this is, like, basically an experiment for the company to see how Video On Demand does as a possible uh, option. Um, You know, tough for theaters, though, and in, like, how enraged they got due to uh, Universal's move with with, uh, Trolls World Tour uh, being released uh, for online rental and streaming, because I think they had a deal with theaters saying that this will be for theaters. Mm -hmm. Uh, And basically... AMC basically uh, in, uh, was vowing it would ban Universal movies for its screens, like in, you know, including in like its blockbuster Fast and the Furious chain. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's just being really tough for them. Right. And, well, this is just the
1: start. Uh, I yeah. think. I think the floodgates are opening. Troll's World Tour. Them doing that, it made perfect sense for Universal to do that, right? Um,
0: it's a tough decision. Yeah, but you. Ha- yeah, and it's they have. To, you had to do it. Yeah. I honestly didn't think there wasn't any other real logical. Um, option for them yeah so, yeah, so you, i get it so you're
1: yeah. you're comparing trolls to mulan right how kind of it opened the floodgates yeah for. the sh-
0: same yeah the same tactic that they're doing you know they you know going online uh just to just to save themselves from obviously uh with this with the whole covet situation
1: so i'm really excited about this and i know of course that we just talked about with trolls world tour and so many other movies coming to uh on demand uh Theater owners and the, you know, like AMC and Regal, they're probably literally quaking in their boots because think about this, let's let's just do some simple math here. If Mulan got released uh, worldwide, it would make at least a billion dollars. A billion dollars is a hugely successful Disney film, right? So Disney Plus has about 60 million subscribers, and that number is growing rapidly. It gained like 10 million subscribers in the last two months. So two things are going to happen. If someone wants to watch Mulan and they don't have Disney Plus, they're going to sign up for Disney Plus. Either that or they're going to borrow someone like a friend's account. But that's a whole other thing that I don't want to get into. But let's just say that half of every Disney Plus account sign up and pay for Mulan. That is $900 million right off the bat. And that's not a billion dollars, but people forget that when a movie makes a billion dollars, that's gross. So you're not taking into account the cut that the theater that the theaters make. Right. So what Disney is essentially doing is they're taking a blockbuster, um, calling it an experiment and seeing how well the movie's going to do. And if it does well, then I think the middleman for a lot more future blockbusters, they're going to be completely cut out. Who knows what will happen like they say don't worry black widow will still come to theaters in november but who knows right if if black mm. widow can make a billion dollars on disney plus and cut out the middleman and not have to pay them like wouldn't they do it what do you think
0: i i mean of course for for all uh money financial purposes for sure but i i don't know like i think it'll depend my, my whole idea as you said earlier was if people um, like, friends came together mm-hmm. and split the, the deal, mm-hmm. uh, split the cost yeah. of a movie. Um, yeah, I mean, that'll all depend as well. Like, just because I have a Disney subscription and you have a Disney subscription, yeah. and we de- and you decide, hey, let's watch Mulan together. It's like, okay, well, I'll go to your house yeah. because you have a better theater uh, set up. I will pay half for that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that, like, what, what what I'm more interested in is, like, how... I think that the price of $30, uh, how they kind of got to that number, um, if they also equated, you know, people doing what I just said, you know, like sharing yeah. and splitting the cost. So it might work. Who knows? Still in their favor. Yeah.
1: So what kind of, I think what it breaks down to is this. We're basically in a tenant versus Mulan situation here. Mulan, would. Yeah. if Mulan wins, it's going to be one big, uh, you know, uh, thing in the plus category for streaming and for on demand so if Tenet does well and Tenet's going to get a theatrical release that kind of i think gives the theater chain owners some hope that uh, movies big movies can still go to theaters and perform better than it would um, if it's just getting really straight to on demand so it'll be really interesting to see how these two movies play out because originally both of these films were supposed to release on back-to-back weekends and it was that combo that was supposed to bring people back in droves to the theaters with Mulan jumping ship and going the route of in demand on demand um, yeah it's it's different so I, I can't wait to see how this boils down and see to see what happens So I also want to talk about what's available for streaming. We talked about an American pickle last week. Well, it's available now on HBO Max. Currently has a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's about an immigrant worker. Really? Yep. Played by Seth Rogen, who works at a pickle factory. And he falls into a vat of pickle juice and is preserved for 100 years. And he wakes up in modern day Brooklyn. Yep. It looks interesting. (laughs) Can't wait to watch it. Another movie I want to bring to your attention is a film called I Used to Go Here. It's the same type of comedy in the vein of of Palm Springs. This was actually produced by Andy Samberg. It currently has a 91% on Rotten Tomato. It follows a writer named Kate Conklin. She has a book that comes out. It doesn't do very well. And she's asked to come back to her old college to kind of give a speech. So uh, it's Hmm. kind of like uh, going back to your roots and rediscovering yourself type of film. But that is available on demand on any major streaming platform, including Apple TV, uh, Google, uh, Vudu, Roku, all that good stuff. This is a comedy? Yeah, it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to. It sounds was, very dramatic. Yeah, it was supposed to go to South by Southwest, but of course, South by Southwest got canceled. All right, a look at our future episodes. We're changing things up just a little bit. Uh, next week, we will be reviewing the film, the suspense film, The Rental, directed by Dave Frankel. And we'll be starting a little series that we like to call Movies We Missed. They are films that everyone has seen and everyone talks about, but Will and I have both missed. So to kick that series off, we will be starting uh, with a review of the film, Hereditary starring Tony Collette, and I am already scared to watch this movie, but your friend will be joining us, Mike Salvino, who's actually going to be starting his own podcast as well, right? Heck yeah. Uh, what is he calling it? Moonshine and... and Moonshine with
0: and Monsters, yeah. yeah Moonshine, Moonshine monsters. with Monsters. Yeah.
1: yeah. Moonshine with so, Monsters. Hopefully you got that It's
0: right. a really cool, really cool name, and uh, I can't wait for him. It's all He's all all about the whole horror and yeah. uh, suspense thriller film. Has he so. seen
1: this? Do you know?
0: Uh... I actually haven't asked him yet. I need I need need to follow up with him see if he has seen it. But obviously, I wouldn't be surprised like he is going to see it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And I still can't take the rental seriously. I can't take that name seriously (laughs) as as a suspense thriller film. Yeah. Okay. So Airbnb, they should just called it or something. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then the week after, uh, we're pushing American Pickle to that week. So we'll be reviewing that film in two weeks, and we'll be pairing that up with another comedy, the one that we just talked about. I used to go here. And uh, looking forward to those next couple of episodes. And soon September will be rolling around. And we'll have Tenant, We'll have Mulan. We'll have Bill and Ted face the music. Lots of big movies coming out. Uh, One to theaters. Others to on demand. So really, really looking forward to the month of September. Any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or reviews on content, drop us a line at thepodfellaspodcast at gmail.com. And please tell your friends about us. Our podcast can be heard a number of ways. First, on the podcast app through Apple, Google Play, Stitcher iHeartRadio as well as Spotify and now dun, dun, that's my what, Hans Zimmer what was that was that's that was your Hans Zimmer that's my Hans Zimmer <laughs> score bah, bah. that sound
0: like it gotta keep working on that uh, you know well, we'll I know. I'll ask Julian what he thinks I'll try
1: hey Julian <laughs> if you're listening and you want to like sample my voice I could do that and you can put it in your in your tracks
0: <laughs> oh man You yeah. saying one thing you should know about me. I specialize in a very specific type of security. Subconscious security. You're talking about dreams. Mr. Cobb has a job offer he would like to discuss with you. Like kind a of work placement?
1: Not exactly. We create the world of the dream.
0: We bring the subject into that dream and they fill it with their secrets. Then you break in and steal it. Well, it's not strictly speaking legal.
1: It. It's called inception. i ready.
0: I think I found a way home And this last job That's how I get there Dreams feel real while we're in them It's only when we wake up that we realize something is
1: actually strange
0: This was your responsibility We are not prepared for this I have it under control. I need to see out of control. You mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling.
1: On to our review of Inception, written and directed by Christopher Nolan. It is about a thief, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who steals corporate secrets through the use of dream-sharing technology. He's given the inverse task of planting an idea into the mind of a CEO, a process which is called Inception. (laughs) Okay. Yes. (laughs) All right. On to the movie review. Will, what did Mm -hmm. you like? Then we'll talk about what we didn't like, and then we'll give this movie our final review. First, what you liked.
0: Whew, man, all right. So I remember, man, when I first watched the trailer and, and saw Nolan's take on dreams and espionage, it, it, it blew my mind, and I it just got me so excited. I was all in. Of course, like, you know, the ensemble cast was a powerhouse, like DiCaprio, Joe Gordon-Levitt, Tom Hardy, Michael Caine, Ellen Page, Ken Watanabe, and the freaking beautiful, gorgeous Marion Cotillard. Like, it was such a perfect cast from top to bottom. Mm-hmm um i just love how nolan structures his stories as well like i I love how he's so meticulous every step of the way as you also stated like people love to work with him and also he's just very um professional at Mm -hmm. what he does Mm -hmm. um like the film starts at the end then jumps to the beginning Mm -hmm. and then brings it all together with a great twist at the you know at the end of the conclusion you know yeah um it's just he's just such a brilliant guy uh, to be able to pull that kind of uh, storytelling off. And when I recently watched rewatched the film, I forgot how sad yeah. and deep the message was with the storyline revolving around Cobb and his wife Maul. Mm-hmm. The repercussion and guilt Cobb had to carry after planting an idea into Mall due to her lack of not like not wanting to leave the dream state and then ending up having her commit suicide dramatically shows through Cobb's yeah. character in the entire film. Uh, you feel his burden and guilt mm-hmm, and, and, and you just sympathize with his struggle um, and just just do the, the toll that it takes on him, especially when he's trying to do a job. Um, it also made me think about the psychology that questions how a person can be influenced or influence themselves to believe what is not real. Like the whole mind over matter mm-hmm. can be a trip. And, you know, like we've all experienced it in our life before where, you um, we see people who truly are convinced they convince themselves that this is what the truth is and no matter how hard you try to to kind of tell them you're wrong like the earth is flat Yeah. (laughs) one of those things flat earthers yeah yeah, sure is that what they're called flat earthers (laughs) they're called flat earthers yeah and there's a facebook page (laughs) i think with over like, like i think over uh I might be wrong. Twenty five thousand members or 250,000 members. It's one of those. You literally and there's also obviously the the documentary on Netflix about it. It's hilarious. But seriously, that's it's like how do you 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 know like you're there's just, there's just stuck in limbo in that kind of reality of theirs that they choose to go with. So, hmm. um, so th- I think that that for me I really took away from this film just how awesome. Um, it makes you rethink about the thoughts that you've had before, but uh, not able to articulate it in a way uh, until like Nolan makes this film. And you're just like, whoa, like, you know, what a great way to really, you know, um, create a story that, that makes you revisit these kinds of thoughts you've had in the past, you know, Mm -hmm. and and to be able to have a better vision and, and like kind of perspective on it. So Mm -hmm. I love this film. This film was really, really great. So, right. Right. But, that's what i liked yeah what about you
1: well one of the points i have is agreeing with what you said nolan has a way not only in this movie but in all of his movies he has these Mm -hmm. big grand ideas Mm -hmm. um, that are like gigantic and huge the stakes are big the action set pieces are big but it's all tied to the reality of characters and the hard choices that they have to make and sometimes the results that happen uh, if you think about, like, just a handful of scenes, um, we're talking about Bruce Wayne, uh, like, you know, the love of his life is murdered by the Joker. Uh, we're talking about in this movie how uh, Dom's wife Maul kills herself and he has to live without guilt. We're talking about that scene where in Interstellar when Matthew McConaughey uh, finds out that, like, a decade, oh, I don't know how much time has passed, but because he was on that planet and he comes back to his ship and he he made a promise to his kids that he would be back. But he sees that they've yeah. all gotten older and he's just weeping his character. Characters are just dragged through the mud and have to endure so much. And that's why I think his movies resonate so well. It's this, these big ideas that are anchored down into like hard personal choices and the results that come from them. And that's why mm-hmm. I think that his movies are just so uh, well-beloved. Um, in this movie specifically, it's the grand epic storytelling that's anchored, like I said, to the deep personal stakes. And I love how in this movie... Uh, He ties like big ideas that are common to us. This idea of dreaming, how we're not sure when a dream starts, when a dream ends. We've all had the dreams where we wake up and we're still in a dream. Uh, We all have experienced this. So when we see it in the movie, we're all like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that I've I've been in there. I, I know what that's about. And he doesn't over explain those points, but instead he uses uh, what you already know about something and then adds to it with his own bits of exposition. And there's a lot of it here because there has to be because he's telling a brand new idea. Right. Yeah. Hans Zimmer, one of his best scores by far. Um I'm not a huge fan of the low brass sections, but there are some like electric guitar driven links in this film that I really love. And also yeah. the percussion driven track of when, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is on the run in Mombasa really, really love that scene. Uh, the action scenes are huge. We're talking about a train plowing through downtown Los Angeles. We're talking about, uh, a scene, um, uh, in the third level of the dream, which is covered in snow, which feels more like something out of call of duty, even in something else.
0: No, dude, Meta Gear Solid, first when yeah, I saw that, I was Solid. like, oh my gosh, this is the first stage of the level of saw Gear Solid when you first started. It was yeah. such, that that also got me super excited when I saw that, so, yeah. oh man. Uh,
1: and also, like, the action scenes are huge, um, and they all are anchored within the story. Once again, it's the big ideas that never feel like they exist purely for just entertainment's sake, something that you would get out of, like, a Michael Bay film. We talked a little bit about the ending and why we loved it and how it's perfect for this film. Uh, We also wanted to just uh, I also really love the uh, perfect casting uh, and it's so many characters that were at their prime at the moment or this film also introduces to new people. Uh, This is the first time I actually noticed Tom Hardy Um, and looking back, I know he was in films like Black Hawk Down, but this is the first time he really stuck out. And I think it's kind of what what kind of elevated him to superstardom. So, yeah, those are the things that I loved in the film. Uh, Let's talk about our weak points. What are some of the things that you did not like?
0: So, from the synopsis, uh, the story is about planting an idea into the mind of a CEO. The only issue I had with the film was when the team was in the third stage of the dream state, Mm -hmm. which was Fishers, the Mm -hmm. CEO they needed to execute inception. Due to time restraints, Cobb made Ariadne, uh basically tell him if mm-hmm. there was a shortcut to infiltrate the building. Right. Ariadne was reluctant to tell him due to Cobb's issue uh, with his memory of Maul always interrupting and sabotaging the mission he's a part of. But once Ariadne uh, told Cobb, he tells her to tell the team, which then I was confused. I was like, why couldn't you just tell her to tell the team and then turn off his comms from hearing it so that Maul doesn't interrupt from sabotaging? Mm-hmm. that? That was Because from there, I thought... Are they going to go to that shortcut? No, they didn't. They they went on a different direction. So it, it it's just that's that part kind of threw me off. That that mm. was literally though the only really small part of it that
1: So you know, in a movie in a movie of this scope and size where, you know, he's introducing an entirely new logic as it pertains to dreams, mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy that, that 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 would be the only thing that you had an issue with. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's it bravo Mr. Nolan, you know. Yeah. That's incredible. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So Cool. What about you, though? That was literally it, though. Yeah. Because <laughs> I okay. this film was great. This overall, this film was just awesome and okay. uh, and and brilliant. So yeah. What about you?
1: Well, first off, I think there are a lot of thin things in the movies, thin points, um, and I, I bet that there are some uh, probably some holes in in the logic of you know. All the stuff that we're seeing mm-hmm. but i think you're willing to forgive a lot in a movie like this because like i said we're being introduced to a whole new world with its own rules as we go and if we don't understand something it's okay we're not expecting it to we're not expecting to know everything because it's a whole brand new like uh realization of a, of a vision that we're seeing from a director you know mm-hmm. um and you're to also mind basically yeah And you're also willing to forgive a lot of poorly given exposition like when people are literally asking as they go what's this what's that and you have to explain how you know inception works or how this whole thing of going into people's dreams work right Um, and you know it's okay because number one we want to know the answers and number two like we have to know those things so that we can continue on and the movie makes sense with us Um, so the movie wasn't fully comprehensible during my first watch But it's okay. However, there are a couple things that I want to bring to uh, people's attention here. First thing is this. Ken Watanabe's character, Saito, is basically a walking plot device. It's like, you know, they're trying to kind of get through the movie. And they need certain things to happen. And certain things have to be made available. And then Hmm. you have a guy who um, apparently has unlimited resources. That is just popping up at all the opportune moments to offer his assistance. Right. So first off, he gives Dom a way out, right? He says, I can clear your name and get those charges dropped. It's like, okay, how would he be able to do that? And then of course they have to buy an airline so that they can introduce the idea into Fisher's mind. I just bought the airline. It's they kind of use it for laughs in that scene, right? He's and of a course a
0: billionaire. That's like my thought though. He's like yeah. this guy's a billionaire, you know. Yeah. Huge
1: corporation. Then, yeah. Here's here's the really weird one. Uh you know Dom is having uh, this huge chase in Mombasa and, and the people from uh, uh, the organization that hired him, um, they're after him, right? And they're shooting at him. But of course, what happens at the time when he's about to get caught, Asito just shows up with a car get in the car. and then DiCaprio says like, what are you doing here? He's like I'm just protecting my investment. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, that's like four or five times where this guy just shows up out of nowhere and offers a solution um, just so that the plot can keep moving forward. Uh, it, it, they get away with it because he's Ken Watanabe, he brings such presence and charisma and he's also just a really cool fun character and you know it works but Dude, it, it, no man I, yeah. he's
0: a billionaire bro <laughs> when you have billions of dollars and and yeah. you can do all that stuff i mean that's the assumption obviously yeah. so
1: <laughs> the other thing is i'm not a huge fan of tom berenger's performance as browning he uh is basically the and, godfather yeah. of fisher he's a little over the top and like is chewing the scenery a little bit but it, it's 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 okay. It yeah, was like, really he probably weird. looked
0: at the script. He was like, this is this is the only this is the only lines I have? All right, well, I got to go all yeah. out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. As a, I don't know if this is a thing that Nolan tries, but it's like he takes actors that were really big back in the day and kind of puts them in every now and then into his movies. He, he had Anthony Michael Hall from The Breakfast Club in The Dark Knight. He had mm. Matthew Modine in The Dark Knight Rises, and here he has Tom Berenger in, uh, in, in, in Inception. So it's really interesting to see. Hmm. Anyway, on to our final reviews of the film. Will, why don't you go first?
0: Four and a half stars out of five, man. Superb story, out-of-the-box concept, powerhouse cast from the brilliant mind of Christopher Nolan. Hmm. So, solid. Got it. Solid. What about you?
1: I give this one four stars. It's an amazing mind bender of a movie whose only weaknesses come from trying to be too big, too original, and too much. But it, uh, those are small problems to have because it's such an ambitious and amazing film. I watched it uh, last night with Hannah. Um, she was actually super tired, but she stayed awake the whole time because she had, didn't remember the movie. And then afterwards mm-hmm. she was like, wow, that was really good. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know, right? But then she was like,
0: wait. Was I just, was I dreaming all this right now? I'm so tired.
1: <laughs> yeah. Did you really so,
0: say that? Just kidding.
1: That was our in depth review of the film Inception. Definitely worth a rewatch. For our YouTube viewers, we'll be back in a day or so with a look back at our top five Christopher Nolan movies of all time. And for our podcast listeners, we will take a short break.
0: Let me show you out back, and then I'll get out of your hair. The stars are insane out here. I should have brought the telescope. What do you need a telescope in the city for? Unless you're like a peeping Tom or something.
1: camera we get through the night we leave first thing in the morning
0: Come on, Peter, there's your suit. It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. It's grandma. You know, you were her favorite, right? Even when you were a little baby, she wouldn't let me feed you
1: because she needed to feed you. She was a very difficult woman, which maybe explains me. I recognize you from your mother. What?
0: Sometimes I swear
1: I can feel them in the room.
0: Oh my god! What's that? What you you just you? She
1: isn't gone.
0: She had private rituals, private friends. Who's gonna take care of me? You don't think I'm gonna take care of you? But when you die. And she wasn't altogether there at the end. What's happening, Don't you ever raise your voice to me? I am your mother. Raise your Mom. What's happening? Make it stop! Make it stop! I just don't want to put any more stress on my family. All
1: right, we are back, and Will, you and I will be talking about. our top five Christopher Nolan movies of all time. Now, this is a hard list to compile because the guy really hasn't had a flop, you know? All his movies are amazing. So how do we come up with a list? Uh, I don't know what criteria you use. I just use the ones that resonated the most with me because all his movies are just, uh, from a technical standpoint, uh, standpoint perfect. Okay. So, So let's just go into this. We'll go back and forth. We'll go through our fives, our fours, our threes, and so on and so forth. So why don't you get started with your number five film, Will?
0: Yeah. So before I go, like my list is a mixture of just kind of like the mind of Nolan and just the, like what from what I grasp towards just the way how he creates a film and story, mm-hmm. and then obviously to also the the technical aspects as well. So mm-hmm. my number five starts with actually um, a short film that he did called Doodlebug, mm-hmm. and and the film to me that film was basically the uh, the set that set the tone and style of Nolan's future work, um, from my understanding. Like mm-hmm. when I saw this at film school, it made such an impression on me on how brilliant the concept was. Mm-hmm. It was one of the major inspirations that challenged me to really think outside the box. Uh, he does a great job leaving you blown away psychologically. And, and a, a lot of his films definitely have more of a psychological like um, uh, push to to for the viewer to really dig deeper into mm-hmm. what he's trying to tell in the message. Um, and so when they so in this film, like when the character is attempting to kill what we believe to be an insect, uh, he reveals that it's not but a miniature version of himself mimicking every movement he's making., uh, then this like reciprocates a larger version emerging behind him, making the situation like an endless cycle. Mm. So it's like this kind of a paradox kind of short film, psychological thriller. and And but the way he did it, though was like, who the frick thinks this way right and that's when i first saw it i was like what the heck i want to be able to have ideas like that because it was so yeah. so interesting yeah i and haven't I, seen this yeah.
1: movie um how long is it and uh, do you know when it was released uh
0: 1997 i believe and the movie and the short film's only uh 3 minutes
1: yeah was it in black and white
0: it's in black and white yeah actually you can look it up on youtube it's on youtube okay yeah his cool. entire short yeah so yeah interesting so that was really just, for me, like, okay, this is what really started for Nolan. And just from there, he, just more gold comes out, you know, yeah. of, his, of his head. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting. Yeah. That was my number five. What's in your number five?
1: My number five film is Memento. Um, mm. So Ow. Nolan, yeah, it's lower it's... on the list than I would have thought, but yeah. I'll tell you why. So okay. Nolan's narrative structure has always been original in all of his movies. He toys with non-linearity quite a bit, and he does so here. Um the structure here behind Memento is probably the most ambitious in the way that it works. Of course, we're dealing with a character with short term memory loss who basically forgets every new memory that it creates. I think it's every like 15 minutes or so. So we have a black and white section and then we have a color section and those movies are like running in like reverse order to the mm-hmm. point where we're meeting and uh, they, they meet and we're known we're told something startling about the main character. Um, so that's unique in itself, but I feel like this was at a point in Nolan's career where, uh, you know, you can know he's good with characters and good with story and good with structure, but it's almost as if he didn't even know quite yet um, how big of a filmmaker he can be how many big gigantic themes he can also incorporate into the strengths that you know that memento had Hmm. so it, it was just kind of seeing our director on the rise the movie is amazing by itself but i feel like he's able to he was able to just accomplish bigger feats later on so that's the only reason why it's a little lower on this list it's pretty much still a perfect movie um Yeah, but really, really great work from Nolan. Uh, It's based off of a short story that his brother Jonathan Nolan wrote. Good performances. I love Joe Pantoliano. Also love Guy Pearce. Guy Pearce. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. And and the psychological aspects of this film when they talk about. Yeah, they, they're they basically revealing something really deep about the human psyche and how it tends to deal with trauma and loss. And I'm not going to give that part away, but it's it's a really interesting idea that he has and how he kind of goes about uh, getting his point across. So that's my number five. What is your number four film, Will?
0: My number four is Interstellar. Mm. Beautiful film of time and space. And as you reiterated earlier um, about uh, just the beauty of, you know, the psychological aspect of like promising to return and uh to his uh matthew McConaughey's character to return Mm -hmm. to his daughter and whatnot Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. not like not realizing just how much time passes by and then Mm -hmm. and as as age is different um performed uh from space than on earth i think that what really this film though like what really drew me to uh it was more of the tech behind uh more so than the story, although the story, like like I said, was good with a solid cast. I mean, like I said, Matthew McConaughey, uh, Anne Hathaway, Michael Caine, David uh, Yellow, Jessica mm. Chastain, dude, they they worked. I feel like Nolan has a great does a great job picking uh, actors that just work so cohesively together, yeah. very well. Yeah. Um, but what impressed me from the technical aspect was the creation of the black hole, yeah. that took a hundred hours to render. And over eight hundred terabytes of data. And and when you look at it, you're just like, this is just a black hole. A black hole. <laughs> and it took eight hundred terabytes of data. What? In <laughs> a hundred hours to render. So yeah, it, I was like, all right, well, when you when you want to execute something, you freaking you go for it, Nolan. So yeah, that was my number four. Yeah, but yeah, what about yours?
1: Uh, my number four is Inception. So this is basically the first time Nolan really flexed his muscle mm-hmm. and exercised the creative freedom that he won after The Dark Knight. Um, it's a wholly original concept, which was rare. Uh, it's especially rare today, but it was still rare 10 years ago when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. And though you know the idea of uh, the concept of idea theft you know, within Dreams was perfectly executed with big set pieces and an amazing cast. It makes me salivate for what Nolan has planned for Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> because literally like if if you think about it he does all of the, the these incredibly uh, original things in terms of narrative structure with time mm. and also uh he also does uh, you know these incredible things with like uh, memory and of just exploring something that hasn't been explored before so you're taking all of those things and you put them you put you put them together and i feel like that's what you're going to get in tenant so you know we'll see i don't know how um, i
0: felt about it when you said the word salivate it was yeah <laughs> I I, I have been
1: waiting so long to watch Tenet, but uh, I think Inception or Tenet is going to be Inception plus like Dunkirk equals Tenet, is kind of what I'm thinking. (laughs) Because Dunkirk, (laughs) yeah, they do so many things with time, right? And what happens in a certain amount of time. So, yeah, yeah, that's my thoughts. Uh, What's your number four film? My number three. Oh, yeah. Sorry. What's your number three film?
0: So, my number three is actually your number four, which is Inception. Mm-hmm. As as I've as reiterated in our review, like powerful cast, out of the box mm-hmm. concept, uh, that brought what we know about basically the Matrix to a more realistic aspect of the mind, and and also like sharing the same space within the mm-hmm. mind. I I loved I loved how well how Nolan explained at Comic Con back in 2010, where he's where he stated the key to completing the script was wondering what would happen if several people shared the same dream. Once you remove the privacy, you've created an infinite number of alternate universes in which people can meaningfully interact with mm. validity, with weight, with dramatic consequences. And I thought, freaking dude, man. Who how, thinks like that? <laughs> who, how can I think like you, you know? Yeah. So.
1: My number three film is in Interstellar. So I once had a friend tell me that this film was all hubris from Christopher Nolan. He's basically trying to achieve something even bigger than what he did before. Uh, um When it, even from like comparing the Dark Knight, totally disagree now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I don't think it was hubris at all. I think hubris no. is an, a sense of overconfidence and arrogance that basically leads to your downfall. And I think in in this case, Nolan wanting to um, you know reach further and go higher and try to accomplish more with his movies in terms of what they're trying to convey. I think that's what any sort of creative is trying to do here. And I thought that he largely succeeded in this film um creatively my mind was like all my synapses were firing at like 100 miles an hour because mm. like i was such a space nerd growing up and i love the idea of black holes and such and just to, to see this movie's representation of things in space and you know, they get into astrophysics they get into time travel um and they even show—I uh, don't know if you've ever heard of these things on planet Earth—but uh, there's what's called gravitational vortexes. There are areas on on planet Earth where the laws of physics don't apply, um, and so they even get into that, like uh, that that room, right? Where uh, that one room, the the room with the books. You yeah, with Jessica character the in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. when yeah. she looked at that. That yeah. room is a gravitational vortex. Um, oh. the laws of physics didn't apply in that room. And it also is a connection to the black hole. And just visually how they showed that was incredible. My mind was just blown after McConaughey went in the black hole. And he's trying to reach out and talk to his daughter, and now he was the one that was pushing the books out. It was just so incredible that they even tried to like not only show a black hole, but shows what could be inside. That is insane. You know, there was a movie that came out, um, maybe 20 years ago called Contact. I don't know if you remember it. I do remember Contact, yeah. yeah. But it was based on the book by Carl Sagan, and people were just so excited, because the book just really was about kind of expanding your horizons, and opening your mind to what's out there in the universe. Mm -hmm. This movie was what Contact should have been. And what's funny is, Makane is in both of these films, but really, uh, Uh, This movie succeeds in everything that it tries to accomplish, but it's also just heartbreaking uh, when you see. Um, you know, McConaughey leave his daughter, um, uh, played by Mackenzie Foy, and promises her that he'll be back. But he has to break the promise because he spends too much time on on that one planet. And he's just crying as he watches his kids grow up, and as they start to lose hope that their dad's going to come back. And then the emotional satisfaction at the end when he's reunited with his daughter, even though she's like older than him now. Uh, there's just something very beautiful about that re- about that reuniting scene. So yeah, she didn't um, lose hope. That was a yeah.
0: beautiful thing, too. She never lost yeah. hope in her yeah. dad coming I, back. So. I, I was
1: in tears, actually, at the end of this film. And in my opinion, this is Hans Zimmer's best score of all time. Oh. And that's saying a lot because he did Lion King, Pirates, Inception, um, Black Hawk Down. But to me, this is his best work. His use of church organs, incredible. Yeah. So that is my number three film. What is your number two film?
0: My number two film is your number five which is memento Mm -hmm. like the first nolan film i watched and i didn't even know it was by him all i knew is all i knew at the time was it blew my mind uh especially the in the way it was edited and that that was kind of me like falling really more in love with editing um and amazing story and concept of, of short term memory loss and a man trying to track down the murderer of his wife. Like Mm. basically that's what the synopsis is and just how he's able to piece that together. And even like when you look on YouTube, there's a interview of him, like how he's able to put it together from like, you were saying the black and white to the color and, and like how the movie starts from the beginning and the end and meets in the middle. Like I, I was just like,
1: yeah,
0: from your friend who said that, like, you know, when, when, when Nolan's, um, you know with his with his film trying to be more hubris or whatever have you like like i, I think nolan just has so many great ideas that really it's not about like one-upping an, uh what he did before it's just for him it's like which one do i really feel passionate about right now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how can i really expand on that and challenge myself right. to to really tell the story in the best way possible never in the sense i get this feeling of of nolan trying to one-up his last film you know so mm-hmm. Um, for Memento, it was just that for me. It was just how he's just like he's so meticulous, man. He's so good mm. at being able to really challenge himself and really tell the best story he can. So
1: mm.
0: yeah, that's why I put my, my Memento at number two. So cool, cool. More technical aspect in that sense too. So what about you?
1: Uh, my number two film is Dunkirk. Uh, once again, another example Ugh. of how Nolan uses time in a unique way to present yeah. an entirely new narrative structure. Uh, this movie was understated in so many ways there are no main characters there's no character change or character arc uh, there's not any one person that we follow throughout the film uh, so you would think that because of that we would feel detached from the film and from the plot but that's not true mm-hmm. because this entire point is about uh, this whole movie is about many people coming together to accomplish the same goal regular people doing so right um, This movie I didn't think would be moving. It was edge of your seat like crazy and fun. But then at the end, uh, I was extremely moved. And there are two images from this movie that I will not forget. And that is why it's uh, number two on my list. The first one is when Kenneth Branagh, the uh, Admiral, looks out. And he sees a sea full of small like passenger private boats coming towards them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, it's basically salvation in the form of regular people. And I was just so moved in that scene. And it kind of reminds me, like, what the heck happened to us? Now we people don't even wear face masks, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, the other scene is when uh, Tom Hardy loses fuel and crash lands on the beach. And he sets his uh, plane on fire and he just stands in front of the plane, kind of. And he just, just looks so gangster. And I was just so moved by that visual. And he was just so badass in that movie. And then he gets taken away. Of course, by like Nazis. But those two movies in my mind are just indelible and will be kind of etched into my mind when I think of film. All right. I think we're down to our number one films now. And I believe we agree here. We agree both. both. Yeah, we both picked The Dark (laughs) Dark Knight. Why did you pick The Dark Knight?
0: (laughs) Okay. Plain and simple. Batman is my favorite superhero of all time. Mm -hmm. Ever since I was a kid. And the Joker is one of my favorite supervillain in the Batman universe. Mm. This one's at number one purely based for the most part because of that (laughs) Mm uh even like out of the other two batmans you know what i mean uh but however i think that nolan took this to a psychologically dramatic level once again showing his out-of-the-box brilliance as well Mm -hmm. um i will i will really say too that like heath ledger man like for every intent and purposes of doubt that i had with him uh being the joker um I think really made a huge impression of how amazing, uh, how amazing he was, uh, in in this film, and um, just the way how he, uh, him and Batman, uh, confronted each other and the way that their relationship was. Man, have I not felt so. Ugh. On a different level of what I, I never would have imagined the relationship of Batman and Joker would be in in, mm-hmm. in the regular graphic novels and then the regular shows that I've, I've always grew up and seeing so plain mm-hmm. and simple dude just yeah very biased <laughs> so cool. uh, what about you
1: yeah I mean this movie was really lightning in a bottle it's what you get when you have a lot of things that are perfect come together to make what it's basically a perfect film. You had the perfect villain. Mm-hmm. You had the perfect character uh, in Bruce Wayne um, and the perfect actor playing him. And you had a director that is basically coming into his prime. Um, you had a lot of amazing action sequences that were completely anchored within the plot and a lot of uh, things that the main character just has to go through to accomplish what he's trying to get done. Uh, You also have basically a comic book being turned into an American crime story type movie. Huge. Um, Yes. Huge. Yeah. Big stakes. And it reimagines Batman into something bigger. It's almost like a crime drama. Um, You know, it's not a comic book movie. And so uh, that, you know unique take on it along with all of the tech and the fancy gadgets the bat pot coming yeah. out of the batmobile yeah. that tractor trailer chase scene which ends in the big rig flipping end over end the perfect performance just the good the perfect take on a, a super villain that we all thought we knew so much of this was just all these elements coming together to basically create what in my opinion is the best comic book movie of all time um and i think that for the rest of our lives, or for my life, I think uh, people will be trying to make comic book movies that measure up to the Dark Knight, and I don't think anyone will ever come close. That's be, what I
0: think. Be honest, though. When you first, if you can recollect, heard that Heath Ledger was going to play the Joker, mm-hmm. w- w- did you did you have like, a huge confidence in, in, yeah. in his? Really?
1: Yeah. Just because yeah, I know yeah. Nolan knows how to cast for his movies. Uh-huh. And this is Heath Ledger coming off of uh, uh, Brokeback Mountain. And he was incredible in that movie. Um, I saw that he was someone willing to completely immerse himself into uh, a character. Yeah. And I knew he would do that here. And he's one of those guys that you just didn't know what to expect from him okay, um, at okay. that point in his career. And I thought that would also work in his favor. So, so high yeah.
0: confidence in him, but you just didn't know what to expect. You, were, yeah. But you definitely had high hopes for it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Right on.
1: All right. So that was our list of top five Christopher Nolan movies. Uh, Will and I agreed for the most part uh, on many of our picks. Just moving uh, around a little bit, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> So if any of you have your own differing thoughts, we would love to hear them. Go ahead and send us an email at thepodfellaspodcast at gmail.com. For our podcast listeners, we will be back next week with a fresh new episode. We'll see you all then.
0: Take care, everybody.